John 16:33. The word of the Lord reads, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. You may be seated in God's presence. So he is the number one overcomer. He overcame the world. Say with me, he overcame the world. So we could trust him to overcome. Amen. Praise God. To be an overcomer means that you have overcome something. You've been through something. You've been through a fight. I heard uh, T.D. Jakes one time say, the bishop said, faith isn't faith until you've been through a good fight. You've been in a battle or at a disadvantage, but yet you have found a way to overcome. But what does overcome mean? There are various definitions. You, you have the Merriam-Webster's definition, but you also have the scriptural definitions. And as I looked into it, very intriguing that word, overcome. It's a multifaceted word. The Merriam-Webster defines it this way. When you are able to get the better of someone, you get the advantage. When you're able to overwhelm someone, this works for, for positive or for negative, you know. Sometimes we get overcome. We get overwhelmed. But when we are trusting God and we seek His help, He helps us to overwhelm the enemy. Also, it means to gain the superiority. So when you overcome, you actually gain the superiority over your enemy over, or over your circumstance and situation. The history of the word overcome comes from the Old English, offer kumen, which means, offer means over, and kumen means to come. So we, are, we go above the circumstances and situations. And when we arrive, we are superior to the situations, so we're able to overcome the situations. Wouldn't you want to be in that position? To be above the situation, not beneath? Praise God. In the Hebrew, uh, yakol, which also means power. Interesting. To overcome means to have power. Say to your neighbor, I have power. To overcome. Amen. Now, now say like you mean it. Now let it enter your spirit, man, and say it to your neighbor this time. Now receive it in your spirit and say it like you actually have it. Come on. You know why I'm saying that? It's because you do. According to legislative governmental authority, God has authorized us to have the power to overcome. And the word overcome in the Old Testament, it means to be given permission. Now, I don't know about you, but many times we think we overcome when we feel emotionally invested in something. When we feel the emotion of it, oh, now I've got it. No. When you're giving permission, you don't have to have any emotion. It's yours. It's authority. I often speak about the police officers, how, you know, they could wake up in the morning, they have their regular t-shirts, they have their jeans, they go to work. Nobody paid attention to them. But the minute they donned on their uniform and put the badge, suddenly when they went out, people looked at them differently. Some people say, oh, that's a police officer, right? Other people say, let's run away. There's a police officer. Why? Because they recognize there's an authority because of the badge. And, and I would surmise that there are many times when police officers are going to work, they don't have the uniform on, they're not in the mood to go to work today. They're not feeling well. 
or they've had an argument with the wife or the husband, or they've had a situation that they're feeling down, right? They don't feel like they're a police officer. They don't feel like they have authority, but guess what? It doesn't make a difference. God has given you permission to have authority over the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So whether I feel it or not, I'm walking with the authority of an overcomer. So according to the Old Testament, it's not only a permission given, it's a power that is given to you. You have a superpower, and the, that's the power of the overcomer. We are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. You have a superpower, and that is the power to overcome any obstacle, any situation, any circumstance given to you by Almighty God. He has authorized you, deputized you. He has given you permission to walk in authority in this earth realm. Hallelujah. It also means to prevail, which means there are many times God will tell you, you have overcome, go take it. But you still have to prevail. In other words, you still have to battle through something in order to manifest it in this earth realm. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. When Joshua and Caleb had the victory and received their inheritance, Caleb said, now Joshua, we've waited all these years, can I go take my mountain? He said, go have it, go after it. It was, his it was his mountain, but yet there were other people living in the mountain. God said, take it, I give you the land. But the giants were in the land. And it's not like, they're not using the word giants figuratively. They were literal giants. Big, bad dudes who were warriors, trained for war. And there was just no way that you were going to defeat them. Right? That's why in modern day battle, if you look at boxing... If you look at the UFC, you know that a guy that's weighing 155 pounds, 155 pounds, cannot fight a super heavyweight at 265. They have to limit the weight class. Yet when David went after Goliath, that didn't exist at that time. But it's interesting that that little runt of a man went up against a giant and said, I can take him. I can take him. What in the world infused this man into thinking that he can take a giant? Well, you know, God was there all along. Yet none of the other warriors who were fighting against Israel said, I can take him. On the contrary, they were saying, let's hide here because this guy will defeat us. He'll kill us. None of us can kill this guy. I'll do it. They look at him and say, oh boy, he's in trouble now. See? So, yes, God is God, but we have to have a revelation of who God is, and we have to have a revelation of who we are in Christ. And until we get the revelation, we know that God can do stuff. Because I hear Christians today say, that, oh yeah, I know God can, but me, I've got a problem, I've got an issue. And it always goes back to that what you see thing. Remember the Old Testament? You know, the people of God that were supposed to enter into the inheritance together with Joshua and Caleb? They said, we can't, they're giants in the land. And someone said it this way. Someone said, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. I, I just want to let that sink in a bit. <laughs> whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. Because it all depends on what you're thinking. Now, having said that, we as human beings, we have limits. But God doesn't. And when God says you can overtake it, now... You no longer trust in your limits. 
you're trusting in his supernatural ability to be able to create atmospheres, circumstances, relationships, partnerships, and whatever you need to be able to overcome something that might be physically larger than you, that might be stronger than you in the natural, but yet God said, you can. So say to your neighbor, I can. I'm authorized. I'm deputized. I'm anointed. I have power. I've been given permission. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, again, multifaceted. In the New Testament, that word conquer or that word overcome means to subdue. Subdue. You have to fight. You have to fight in order to overcome something, in order to subdue something. It also means to conquer. So there's a battle involved. Who here is in a battle right now? Wow, most of the hands went up. Praise God. That's a good thing because you're on your way to subdue your enemy. You're on your way to conquer the foe that's been trying to topple you. But on contrary, you're going to topple your foe. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We look in Scripture, examples of people who overcame, for example, Joshua. Joshua wasn't handed, you know, the victory on a silver platter. God said, Joshua, it's yours. Now go battle for it. Hold on a second. If it's mine, why do I have to battle for stuff? Because many times in the earth realm, the enemy's here already taking ownership of stuff because previous residents had give, given him the authority. So when you come in, don't think that the enemy's going to roll over and say, Passez-vous. It's not going to happen. He's going to say, who are you? I've been here for hundreds of years. I've been in this region for thousands of years. I've been controlling this family for all this. Year. Now you run, you're growing up. Now you think you're going to take over? The answer is yes. Your days are over. So you have to dispossess. In order for you to take ownership of a property, you first have to put a down payment which means you are intending to purchase the property. Then, of course, they make you go through the gamut. They test you. They check you out. Check your bank account, where you work, you know, how long you've been alive. Do you have any crime in, this, you know, in the past? You know, they check you out. They vet you thoroughly, right? Then when you sit at the closing table, it still isn't guaranteed that you're going to get the property. You have to go through stuff. You have to sign like a zillion, gazillion papers. You know, and even there, there are times where the closing stops and both people have to walk off the table. I remember the, the house we bought just not so long ago. We sat down at the table. Everything was good. All the paperwork was there. The finances were there. And one situation almost made me walk off the table. You know, it was a special... Um, in homes in Pennsylvania and Florida, there's a gas that, that is underground. It's not methane. It's another type of gas. A radon. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's what I said. So, <laughs> so the radon gas has to be vented, otherwise it leaches into the homes, and it could get you sick, you know, in the long haul. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's not a healthy gas. So there's a special piece of apparatus that helps to suck any air underneath and vent it straight through your house, all the way outside. Then it goes, you know, to the upper atmosphere, and you don't have to worry about it. This house didn't have one, and I wanted one there before I closed. So I said, you know, we have to have that there. So, well, the previous resident didn't put one down. I said, well, I'll walk off the table right now if it's one's not there. They talked and talked and talked. Guess what? I have a system in my house. 
You see, you, you, you just can't come in and say, you know, okay, everything should be perfect for me. Everything should be set up for me. No, you have to go through a process. You have to go in there and start speaking to your circumstance, speaking to your future. You have to speak to your mind. You have to speak to your emotions. You have to speak to the enemy. You have to speak to the current occupant and tell them, I am now the owner. Once I had my deed, I went to the house. The previous owner was no longer there. I had to fight a battle. I have to put money down. I had to work. I had to do whatever it took in order to enter my new environment, right? with full authority. So when God gives you a word, now you have to fight with that word. Not, you, you don't fight God, you fight the situation. You, you fight the current situation. You have to fight yourself. You have to fight yourself. You know why? Whenever there's going to be a promotion, wherever there's a new level, there's always a new devil. And so wherever you're going to go to a new level, you're going to confront things that are already there. You're going to confront your past. You're going to confront past thinking. The enemy doesn't want you to go there. Remember just before Jesus went into his earthly ministry, what did he have to do? He had to go to the desert and he had to challenge the current occupant. And three times he had to speak the word of the Lord. Not his emotions, not his feelings. Because, you know, if, you, if I haven't eaten for 40 days, don't mess with me. Because I'm not in the mood. And he hadn't eaten for 40 days. And the enemy shows up. He says, I'll give you all of this if you would just worship me. Who is he to give Jesus the world systems? The current owner. Because Adam had given it to him. So he had the right to say that. And even today, there are many young people that are getting fooled. You know, you see all these singers out there. Not all of them, but some of them. Literally, they make a deal, a pact with the devil in order to be rich and famous. And don't take it from me. Listen to them. Their own testimonies. And some people are just out and out saying it now. That they're serving the devil and the devil has made them rich and famous. You have been fooled. You have been hoodwinked into thinking that that's a good thing. Because he'll only give you things enticing you to give him your soul and then he hits you. Then he hits you. Then he takes it. And then you go, oh my God, what am I going to do? Well, what, are, what can you do now? You're a slave now. You're messed up. You made the wrong agreements. See? So we have to dethrone mindsets. We have to dethrone philosophies. We have to dethrone our past thinking. But guess what? Since greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, it's a fixed fight. Because God's only saying, go and tell him to get out because I've already authorized you. He's not saying fight it in your own strength and see perchance you might be able to win. No, no. You are coming in as a winner. You're coming in as an overcomer. You're coming in with permission. So it's as if it were a fixed fight. I like fixed fights. Especially when it's for me. Yeah, yeah. I would fight Tyson any day of the week. Any day. Any day of the week, I'll fight him as long as it's a fixed fight. <laughs> so we'll set up the meeting beforehand. I'll say, Mr. Ty, uh, can't touch, can't, can't touch me. Well, you know, we got to make it look real, right? So, you know, when I, when I started the martial arts years ago, say years ago, years ago, they would, we would, we would uh, exercise and we would fight together, but we had to hit off the gi, it's called. In other words, when you, when you hit somebody, you don't hit them full force. You just make sure just, yeah, so, so that's what I'll say. Tyson, two rounds. Hit off the gi. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. But then the third round, we know that you're going down. I love it because it's a fixed fight. See? And that's, that's, see, I'm trying to share with you a perspective that you might not have. You already have the authority. 
So when you're coming into battle, even your prayers shouldn't be, oh, please, God, please, God, please, God. No, your prayers should be by authority. I, as the man of God here, as a woman of God here, I declare God's will over this situation, over this region. I cancel all assignments of the enemy. You've got to come in with the authority of God. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 13.30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. The entire generation was saying we can't. But yet Caleb said we're well able. What did he know that they didn't know? See, he had a revelation of who God was. And he had a revelation of who he was you know, in God's kingdom. In 1 John 2.14, it says, I have written to you fathers, for you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So one of the things you see there is the understanding of God's word, the revelation of the word of God. So Paul was saying, or rather John was saying to them, you fathers, you know him, see? And we know him by his word and through his word. And you sons, you're strong, and the word of God abides in you. Jesus said if his words abide in us, that he would abide. He would make his home with us, in us. Praise God. In John 1, uh, 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, so the spirit of God that dwells in us by revelation knowledge, by the fact that we believe and receive, and by the fact that he has come to indwell us, we are born again. Now, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we have overcome by virtue of the spirit of God that's within us. By virtue of the one who dwells in us. First John 5, 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. Our faith. Our faith in who? Our faith in the one that dwells within us. Our faith in almighty God in Christ. See, so we have already the tools, the resources to be able to defeat the enemy. Because he's already a defeated foe. Jesus already defeated him on the cross. So the power of God that resides in us, not our feelings, not our emotions, when we speak, I hope God is backing this up. Uh, yeah, he is. So we've got to, uh, we have to walk in that authority. See, a police officer going back, when he says, stop, come here. Stop the car, or whatever it is that he has to do. People have to listen. Otherwise, it automatically becomes a crime. We have to listen. Right? Because that's the, the prevailing authority, right? It's a prevailing law. In the same way in the spirit realm, when we speak in the name of Jesus, there's authority that's being sent. Whether you feel it or not. And I have to say that over and over because too many God's people think that when they speak it, there's no emotion behind it, there's no power. Wrong! Your, your emotions many times are enemy. You're your mortal enemy. You have to understand and walk by faith, not by sight. And I'll add it this way. You have to walk by faith, not by emotion. Now, having said that, you can have emotion when you're worshiping God. Yes, your emotion uh, is, you know, it's, it's connected to you forever. It's part of who you are. But I'm not led by my emotion. Because my, my emotions many times are wrong. Hallelujah. And emotions can change in a heartbeat. So I also don't depend on that. You know, today I could be happy. Tomorrow I hear information that I didn't like. It makes me upset. You know, maybe I heard something. Maybe in my job, somebody spoke to me in a way I didn't appreciate. So my emotions are up and down all the time. How about you? Anybody here? Anybody, anybody here like this with your emotions? No. Oh, maybe we're like this. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but I understand by revelation my emotions can change. And not, not for nothing. But your emotions, actually, you can use them. They are your servant. They're a great servant, a bad master. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So emotion can be strength to you. Emotion can zap you of strength also. It could deplete you. If you're always in a situation where you're overwhelmed, stress, worry, anxiety, then the negative emotions kick in, you can actually get physically sick. I remember years ago, I had to leave a job because it was too overwhelming. <laughs> overwhelming, the word overwhelming. It overwhelmed me after nine months of working there. It was too much work, too much responsibility. Seven days a week, never catch a break. So I, I, I would lay down and I, I wouldn't be able to sleep. My eyes wide open, two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning. I'm like, I can't sleep. Then my heart started fluttering. So what in the world's going on? I was only 28 years old. I went to the doctor, checked me out. He says, you're okay. He says, do you have a difficult job? He says, very difficult. He says, quit your job. Because right now, it's psychosomatic in nature. Right now, it's emotional in nature, but it's affecting you physically. If you stay there and you continue to allow the negative emotions, uh, the, the, the negative chemicals to continuously come forth, they will sicken you. So get yourself another job. It's not bl blessing you. So you know what I did? One day I got up, I quit the job. Oh, my boss was so upset at me. She was so upset. Well, you know, you know I'm not going to give you a recommendation. I said, well, listen, if, you, if I don't leave, I might die. So what do I care about your recommendation? Get up out of here. So, yeah, so, so I, took it, I took it easy for about three months. And, you know, I, I got healed. Everything left. Amazing. It all had to do with an overwhelming of emotions. So we have to learn how to control our emotions, because emotions can be power, whether positive or negative. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we, by revelation, we could even utilize our emotions in part of the conquering process, in part of the moving forward process. If, if we don't understand that, emotions will control us most of our life. How many of you have lost jobs because of your emotions? How many of you got into fights because of emotions? I mean, I've seen people, I, I think I saw a person murdered one time when I was a kid because of emotions. I think so. I think that that person was murdered right in front of me because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Really. And today you see it in the trains all the time. You see it in the buses. And the kids today, they don't respect anybody. Yeah, there's no respect. It's gone. Kids that are 15 years old, you know, coming up against elderly and smacking them and hitting them. One guy, he, he, he got the wrong senior citizen. This, this dude was quiet, and, and so a young man got into a fracas with him, and he kept on cursing at him. And the, um, and the, the, the older gentleman says, you know, you better, you better shut your mouth. You better shut your mouth, otherwise I'll go back there and shut it for you. And uh, so the young kid got out, what? You, you're out of your mind? So he went over there to fight the, the old man? The old man clobbered him, busted his nose, busted his face. And then he said that, you know, that, that was it. Here, just, just for you. <laughs> That's a Spanish term means you deserve that one. Yeah. There was an elderly lady. She was sitting down. And these kids just playing the fool, playing the fool, and cursing at her. And finally, she just got up and gave this young girl a whomping. And as she's giving him a womp, he says, I'm tired of you. <laughs> I'm tired of you. <laughs> so my wife and I, now we use that as a joke. Anytime we're tired of something, I just go, I'm tired of you. <laughs> like we need to be very careful. Otherwise, emotions will rule us and 
pretty much it'll, it'll circumvent our, our calling in God, our future, our purpose, our destiny. So what are some of the traits, and overcome, uh, traits of overcomers? Let me give you some. Number one, they learn to push past the pain. All high-level champions learn how to ignore or overcome the current pain of the moment. This is the thing. Most of us hate pain. We don't like pain. The minute we get pain, we pull back. I don't want to go through that. So you pull back. No, no, no. Sometimes we have to push past the pain. Well, the pain is saying it's not good. It's not God's will. No, sometimes to do God's will, you have to go through the pain. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear no evil because thou art with me. So what did he say? I have to sometimes go through the valley of the shadow of death. I can't hold back. I have to go through it. Say to your neighbor, go through it. See? And then not only do you go through it, you grow through it. You're going to find in your most difficult times when you go through it, you always come up with pearls of wisdom. You always come out stronger. You always come out being able to deal with things in a better way. Emotionally, you also mature. It's, it's for those that, that are able to push through the pain. If you want strong biceps, men, large biceps, you have to push through the pain. You know, you, you, you're lifting up 20 pounds each, and you go on like that, and, and two, you know? That's the first week. There's this one guy. Well, you got to get through two first before you get to three, right? There was this one guy that says, I'm going to do a test. I'm going to do 100 push-ups every day for 30 days. 100 push-ups every day. No, yeah, 100 push-ups every day for 30 days. And he actually documented it. So the first day he did like 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. The next day he did 20, 20, 20, 20 21, 22, 23. And he started going. After the 30 days, he, you have the before, scrawny. And then in the 30th day, he was really looking good and buff. And, and you know, he had lost some of his belly, his beer belly right and his chest had expanded so instead of doing one of these you know the, the, the papa belly they call him he was like he's, you know it was, it was he was back to normal where guys should look when he was a young man right isn't that cool but initially I mean to do 100 push-ups that he, he was out of breath he was like, <laughs> you know at the end of the day I mean he, he had nothing left but by the 30th day he was doing like 40 50 push-ups first shot so in the first day he had to do five or six you know, in order to achieve 100, but this time around he only did two, two sets, and he was already at 100. Stronger, felt good, felt younger, uh, had more energy. You have to push past the pain. Say to your neighbor, push past the pain. Praise God. Same way in our prayer life. So you know, when we stop praying, we can only pray like one minute. And that, and that was because you said a lot of amens and a lot of hallelujahs. Right? But after a while, you, you start praying. You know, I get afraid of some of you, man. Some of you have so much, you know, material to give in a prayer. I says, all right, we have 20 minutes. So, uh, brother so-and-so says, will you pray? Forget it. They took the, the whole 20 minutes because they have so much to pray now. You see, you develop that prayer muscle. See, the faith muscle is the same thing. You know, today I could, I could pray that God would heal my hangnail. But, me, you know, in 10 years, I could pray, you know, for a whole group of people, Right? See, faith grows. These are muscles that we need to use. But it takes time. So we push past the pain. Hallelujah. Number two, they have been or are in a major battle. All overcomers are going through issues. All of them. Every single one of you. And I dare to say that all of you here are going through issues. And in, in life cycle, you're always going into a problem, in the middle of a problem, or coming out of a problem. Amazing. 
It's uh, these cycles. What cycle are you in? And just getting in one. Shucks. I just got out of one last week. <laughs> but we're always in a cycle. You're going in a problem, in the midst of it, or coming out of one. Hallelujah. I love it when I can come out. I said, now God, give me at least a week break before I get into another one. <laughs> Praise God. But that, that's essential because we have authority. So God sends us into situations and circumstances that have problems because we are the ones that carry the answer because we have the greater one within us. God trusts you to put you in that situation. God trusts you because you're the one that's going to be the deliverer in that situation. Hallelujah. Number three, you have to be patient. Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40, over 40 years in order to be able to get their mountain. They were ready the first day, but all of the nation said, no, we can't get in, we're afraid. And God said, oh, you're all afraid. I'm telling you, you could take it. And you're saying you believe more the situation than my word? All right, stay in the desert then. So what should have just taken 40 days took 40 years. Yeah, the payment, not payment, the repercussion, listen to this, the repercussion of not believing God was a penalty of one year for every day, every day we don't believe. 40 days took 40 years, and there are times we refuse to believe God, God is saying, you can do it, I've authorized you, my word promises it, just go through the battle, it'll be yours. I can't. I've never done it before. You know, this looks too big for me. Then you put yourself in a repercussion cycle where what could take one month for you might take 10 years. I got no amens on that one. Everybody was happy until I said that. Everybody was hallelujah. What are you saying? What was that? 40 years? (laughs) Praise God. Yeah. We have to be patient sometimes. Sometimes we want, you know, well, all of us are. We want things right away. You know, years ago, I remember they used to preach that in the church I belonged to, uh, you know, about everything's instant, you know, instant coffee and instant this and microwave. Yeah, I like that. I want things quick. You know, you, you, you morning dwellers, when, you, when you're coming in with your cars, you want to get to work quick, right? Yeah. You want to get there quick. I know because I see everybody, zoom, zoom, zoom. Hey, you idiot. Blah, blah, blah. All to get there quick. My thing is just get, get up half an hour earlier. And, you know, you won't have to, you know, rush, rush, rush. But it's, it's just society. We want things quick. But sometimes you have to have patience. Say to your neighbor, patience, my dear. Patience. Number four. Number four, they have to see the unseen so that it could give them the strength and encouragement that they need during the desert seasons and processes of God. Jesus, in Hebrews 12, 22, said, For the joy, for the joy that was set before him, for that which he saw, which no man saw, but he saw you and I being restored in fellowship back to God. So the Bible says he endured the cross because of what he saw. So while you're going through the process, you have to have something that you're working toward. You have to have something that you're moving to that gives you encouragement. Otherwise, you won't last the process. Can we say New Year's resolutions? Exactly. How many of us start a thing and by the first month is already gone? Gym memberships are amazing January 1st or January 2nd. 
By January 30th, it's another thing altogether. But the truth of the matter is that we have to have a vision of something that we're working toward that is bigger than our current circumstances and situations, that is bigger than our emotions, that is bigger than our lifetime, so it can thrust us ahead. Otherwise, we won't make it. Plus, then, we also need people to be there with us to help us along the way that see a similar thing. There are times, oh, man, I can't make it. I don't know if I can make it. Remember the prophet? After he had one of the biggest victories, God did an amazing thing. Fire fell from heaven at his word. And suddenly the king's wife, the queen, she says, I'm going to have your head today. So he goes out, sits down underneath a tree, and says, I want to die. He went into a depression. And right there, the prophet lost all emotional energy. And God sends an angel, gives him food, and encourages him. And he was able to do a 40-day journey with that food and that encouragement. Sometimes we need that along the way. Because the enemy comes at us and he tries to take us out. But we need patience and we need to see the unseen. So what's the first thing we need? We need to push past the pain. What's the second thing? We either are or have been in a major battle. Number three... We need patience. Number four, we need to see the unseen. See, I did that only for those of you that don't like to write. I have things that I wrote from 1992, 1989, 1985. Every once in a while I go back and I just rehearse that which I learned in that day and it becomes a refresher to me. But if you don't have anything that you write down, you'll forget it. And see, the word of the Lord is not something that you just receive emotionally. It's something that, actually, what did Joshua say? Or rather, Moses told Joshua, meditate on my word day and night. And you will make your own way prosperous. So those that refuse to write something down or maybe put it on an audio, right? What will happen is you'll hear it now. And on the way out, the Bible says they receive the word with joy. But the enemy comes and steals the word. And this is why we not only hear it, we have to hear it, write it. The Bible says write the vision down, make it plain on tablets. Today the tablet can be the iPad. Or it could be a piece of paper, right? So that who can read it can run with it. See, So if you read it or if you hear it and you write it and then it says do the word, those are the ones that are blessed. Do the word, you will be blessed. So that's why I said that I want you to know that um, these things are for you. I'm giving you tools. I'm giving you resources. So write them down. Make them your own. Then it your own revelation. I always tell people who say, Warfare with that word. So 
Devil, I know what I heard. And this is the word of the Lord. Don't speak your problem. Speak the word over your problem. Don't complain about the mountain. Speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give him some praise. Glory to God. So let me give you another point. Very important. The secret of Colossians 1.27. Christ in you. Say to your neighbor, Christ lives in me. See, so anybody that knows that, that Christ lives on the inside, knows that you have the overcomer within you. He says, trust me because I have overcome the world. So the greater one within you resides within you, has that power, has that anointing. So you need to tap in to the one that resides within you. Anybody that knows that can overcome. He overcame the world's sin, the nature, the systems, and philosophies. So he'll help you to overcome. We are more than conquerors through the inner one that dwells within us. Through Christ. Christ, the anointed one, the gifted one, the one that is empowered to be able to break the yoke. He lives within us. Number six, what you see in the spirit is usually for a future season. So you have to come at it with a marathon approach. Remember when Joseph saw the dreams? He said, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a leader one day, and even you guys are going to bow to me. Well, the brothers got so upset, they, they actually sold them into slavery. I mean, it's bad when your own brothers sell you into slavery. I mean, uh, I don't need enemies with, with family like that, right? But the truth of the matter is they did because they were so jealous at this boy. The father favored him. They made him a coat of many colors. And they just, you know, you know we are the ones that have been here working and, and dad's going to give him all, all the stuff. And now he's saying that he's going to rule over us? No, no, no. He sold him into slavery. But he saw that in the future he would be leading. So that kept him while he was in the pit. That kept him while he was in prison. And it kept him to the day he went up and ascended to the throne. Praise God. So you might be going through that process right now. God has shown you something, but yet you're, you're living something that's diametrically opposite of what you're seeing in your spirit, man. Well, don't worry because you're just going through the process. Joseph was in prison, and nobody told him uh, in March 6, uh, the year B.C., you know, whatever, you're going to be ascended to the throne. Nobody told him that. He was just in prison serving. By the way, wherever he would go, God would prosper him. So even in prison, God prospered him. Even in prison... God prospered him. So I'm saying, you're waiting for a day that God's going to prosper you. God could prosper you right now in the midst of your process. Even while you haven't got there yet, God can still say, well, let me bless you while you're going through the process. So I thank God. You know, he said, give us this day our daily bread. So every day I pray to God. I said, Father, thank you for the provision for today. Thank you that I have more enough for today. I might be going through a process, but thank you that you give me more than enough today. People might not believe in me today, but they will believe me tomorrow. But I'm believing in you, in me. See? Christ in me, I believe in that. I trust God who lives within me. Without Christ, I can't do anything. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who gives me the uh, ability, the permission, the wisdom, the strength to overcome. Amen? Come on, somebody. Give him praise. Because he's worthy. Hallelujah. So we have to go through the marathon. We have to be marathon-minded, not sprint-minded. Well, God spoke to me. If I don't see it in two weeks, uh, you know, I'm not going to believe this thing. You know, there are people like that. There are people that literally, if in six months I don't see the answer, I'm not going to believe in you. 
So if your wife is pregnant and she's like two months, say, if I don't see a baby in the third month, I'm not going to believe in this. <laughs> Come on. How, what, what type of insanity is that, right? But we do that to God, though. Because we just only trust things we see. I mean, I could see my wife was pregnant. She was two months and three months and four months. Then she started, you know, growing and growing and growing. I said, wow, this thing is getting real now. <clears throat> By the time eight months, she was no longer walking. She was waddling. I said, oh, okay, it's getting close. And then, you know, these Braxton Hicks contractions. Okay, I see some people. What's a Braxton Hicks? For us guys, it's those false times where you think it is and, oh, baby's coming. We go all the way to hospital, 4 in the morning. Meanwhile, I got to go to work at 6.30 in the morning. Doctor checks, up, false alarm. You got Braxton Hicks contractions. What is that? It's a pain in the neck. That's what that is. (laughs) Right? So... But we know eventually we're going to see it. But we see the process. But many times in the spirit realm, you don't see the process and you get a suddenly. And suddenly God shows up. What happened with um, Joseph? Joseph was in prison for years. At least two years he was in prison. And so one day, get dressed. What? Get dressed. Pharaoh wants to see you. Why does Pharaoh want to see me? Uh, He's got to ask you a question. Okay. He gets dressed as the Lord. Is this the day? He wasn't sure. He was just serving. He was administrating the prison right now. Prisoner, but yet administrating the prison. Oh, that's nice. That's a revelation right there. You might have a boss in your job, but yet the boss depends on you. Without you, that place will fall down because the boss depends on you. Praise God. Well, this man, he was just there and suddenly, Pharaoh needs you. By the way, we got to dress you up. This thing's getting real now. They dress them properly, bathe them, and as he goes up, he's saying, I wonder what this is. Lord, is this what you, what you spoke to me 20 years ago? And then he interprets a dream, gives the Pharaoh vision. He says, oh, from now on, you stay right here. Everybody, the whole nation, this is my right-hand man. Whatever happens in this nation, this man will make it happen. Amen. Now, that's not a bad job, if I would say so myself. But the truth of the matter is, people say, wow, he's so lucky. Wow, I wish that was me. No, you don't. You don't want to go through the prison. You don't want to be lied about. Right? Potiphar's wife accused him. He could have got murdered. I mean, killed because of the situation. God kept him through the... I mean, what in the world? He's an innocent man and he's being accused of rape? That's a dangerous situation. Right now, man of God. I'm still processing it myself. Man of God, be careful with women. Because today it's open season on masculinity. Today it's open season on any, everything. Ladies, you're not here. It's just me and the guys. Watch out because, and you know, in this church we love each other. You know, we give, I would say, holy hugs, you know. But I'm even thinking about that. I said, dear God in heaven, it's getting to the point. That if a guy touches a woman, she could use that and just accuse a man. Yeah, but they're guilty. Probably. Probably 90% of those guys are. And I'm all for if you're guilty, you pay the price. I'm I'm all for it. But what I'm saying, there's a bigger picture to this. Because I have a friend of mine. He just had gotten a good job, decent job. And I wasn't there to make the final decision. But this is his version. 
as a supervisor, he had men and women that he was supervising, and he told one of the women to do something. She didn't like it, so she accused him of sexual harassment. Just accused. What was it? Wasn't clear. Nothing was said. But here's the thing. If a person is accused in this nation, do we have this element of innocent until proven guilty? I heard yes and no. Well, my friend didn't have a chance because it was, it was, it was a 32BJ, a 32BJ job. So you have six months where they could get rid of you for anything. You're not union yet, so, so what they did is just fired him. Yeah, probate. That's, yeah, yeah. So literally, they fired him. No drama. But my question is, what happens if there wasn't any drama? What if there was only an accusation? Right, so watch this. Jezebel did that to a man in the Old Testament. And it cost him his life. Yet he was an innocent man. When protective systems are removed, there's going to be a big process. You know, the pendulum swings this way and that way. And the problem is, years ago, the pendulum went this way too far. And there were men in power, men in authority, that took advantage of, of yes. women. But now the pendulum, by necessity, will literally forcefully go this way. So there's a season now that we have to put, all men have to put our seatbelts on tight. That's a, that, 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 at least one air here, right? <laughs> right? We have to put our seatbelts tight. Live right. Live righteous. You didn't want to live righteous by being voluntarily. Now you better live righteous because your life depends on it. (laughs) See, righteousness, one of the definitions of righteousness is simply living right. When you have a chance to do right, do right. When you have a chance to do wrong, don't do it. You understand? So we look back. Men look back. Because you have to look back at least 40 years. Because some of these guys are getting accused of stuff they did 40 years ago. Can we say when we're younger, we're, we're kind of dumb? Kind of ignorant? We do things? I've evolved? I mean, if, if you hung out with me when I was 19 years old, 18 years old, 17 years old, yeah, it's not the same guy. Really? But we're in a season right now that everything that can be shaken is being shaken in this nation. And God's permitting that. Because things have got to be exposed in order to be healed. If you have a cancer, you have to cut, access it, cut it away. It has to be exposed in order to excise it. And right now, this nation is on a tipping point. We are at an inflection point in this nation. We can go one way or another. So right now... Righteous men and women of God have got to pray. We've got to pray for leadership. We've got to pray for the nation. We've got to pray for senators, for governors. We've got to pray for president and vice president. We've got to pray for more. That God would intervene and bring healing. Expose what needs to be healed and eradicate the things that are destroying this nation at its roots. About 15 years ago, I taught to this congregation something that I had heard. A prophet had spoken 
and he had taught this. He said the Lord showed him that in the near future there was coming a time that in the United States, God showed him the foundation of the United States. And he stepped on the foundation, and it was like rotting wood. And his foot went right through. He says, this is what's happening to the nation. Tell the people of this nation. And in the Old Testament verse says about rotting wood or worm wood. And that being a, a, a judgment on the land. We're living that right now. Right now. Anything you trusted on before. Anything that looked to you as something normal and natural. Today it's no longer. You step on the foundation. Your foot goes right through. Another thing uh, that I, I heard 15 years ago, it says it's coming a time where the judgment of God is coming upon this nation. And part of the judgment of the nation is that the mighty warriors are removed from the nation. The mighty warring men. What's happening right now to men? Men are being systematically emasculated. Systematically, our authority is being taken away. Now, again, I'm not talking about people that are just troublemakers and, you know, Men that make no sense. I'm not talking about the men, the, the child men. Many uh, adult, strong, resourceful, responsible men are being attacked. Yes. And ladies, you have to pray for your men. <coughs> that God will protect them and keep them, keep their minds, their hearts. Because many men are saying, okay, I'm not going to do anything. Now. I can't talk anymore. Anything I say is going to be challenged. Anything I say, I could, I could lose my... You don't want that. You want the stallions in place. You, you want the warring men because it's the warring men. And I'm not talking about the women aren't there too. No, I'm talking about together. They go and they help to bring restoration to community. They help to become better fathers, better husbands. They come to help community. They help to bring righteous law in place. Working together. And you, I see I'm, I'm talking to you big picture now. I'm not, talking, I'm not getting into the little fights that you're hearing in the news and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm going deeper than that. I'm, I'm talking about foundational pillars of our nation are systematically being cut at the root. And if we don't watch it, one day we're going to try to step, we're going to go right through. Hallelujah. So, having said that, it's very important that we take the marathon approach. Marathon approach. Hallelujah. All right. So, what you see in the spirit of Jesus.
midst. In, amen. In the midst of a famine, God supernaturally provided rain every time he would pour out, more would show up in the bottom. And it just kept on until the famine was over. I'm letting you know that in God's economy, even though there might be deception in the community, it doesn't have to be deception in your heart. Glory to God. We have to have faith to overcome. on this one, I have 3,000 on that one, uh, yeah, it's, it's still going to be alright, maybe not, it's not the money, sometimes we just need to bear back, yeah, but I need to give the 50 people I give, you know, every year, I need to give them something, you'll call them, send them a letter, put a little nice scent on it, this is your Christmas gift this year, a beautiful poem I wrote for you, you know, a high five, with love, visit them, have dinner, Carrying back this year, so if you have dinner today, let's celebrate. How about none of us give each other anything this year, and we'll be all right? You know, just just enjoy each other versus you know doing like this for the next six months. And you know what's sad about the whole thing? If you give you know your best to the people, and in one month it's in the closet to be forgotten forever. Or even worse, they forget about it, and next year they give you the same gift you gave them. But that's another story altogether. <laughs> No re-gifting allowed. Number number three, you have to you have to multiply your resources in the planet. We have to learn to look where we didn't look before. Some of you, you know, there's a person you have a problem with, you're upset at them, you've been offended at them for ten years, and yet they're your next they're your next door. They have a wisdom that they're carrying that if you speak to them, they'll say, Oh yeah, I know how to handle that, and boom, they become the door. So we have to look at places we didn't look before. We have to heal all our relationships in the midst of a famine because God uses people. God works through people. You don't have to say amen, but the truth of the matter is sometimes your best friend right now is your enemy. The one that has the answer, that's carrying the answer, is quote-unquote what you think is an enemy. No, it's just a misunderstanding. Or it was an out-and-out offense that you need to forgive because you need to release that thing so you could enter into your new season. Hallelujah. You have to use what you have in the famine. Oh, I wish I was like her, like him. They have this, they have that. Forget about that. What do you have in your hand? I only have two fishes and five loaves. Give me that and let me multiply it for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. How much money does it take to feed 20,000 people? How much money did it take to feed the 80 guys? $500? 
do me math, $500, uh, $500. What's, what's that per man? <laughs> any, any, any mathematical question, just ask Elder Jose, he's, he's got it. Or Brandon, Brandon too. $6.25? Wow. All right, so give me $6.25 more, $12.50? All right. I tell you what, instead of going to a steak place, let's go to McDonald's. $6.25. What's $6.25 times 20000 37500 It's a lot of money. Jesus told the disciples, okay, it's late, feed the people. And they went, uh, Jesus, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> he said, you have it. Feed them. How much? 37, That's what they told him. I'm saying McDonald's. So let's keep it. Let's keep it frugal. What did I say before? Frugality. Water bottle, a little fish sandwich or something like that. Well, think about it. Think about what Jesus was telling them. He was telling them something impossible because they saw only the fact that they had nothing. And God was saying, but yeah, I want you to whip up $37,500 and feed all these people. How much? You're giving me a headache here. It's too much money, too much money. That's, that's too much money. But yet, that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I want you to feed them all. And that's what it would have cost to feed a multitude of 20,000. They didn't have it. Excuse me. Did they all eat? Were there stuff left over? Then the 37,000 was always there. The 120,000 was always there. There was more than enough, but they did not know to look and appreciate what they had at the moment. Hallelujah. So what you have, if you don't have the 37,000, you have the resource, the connections to create whatever you need so that the answer could come forth. I mean, that, that's, that, if I only preached that today, that should have been enough. Praise God. Hallelujah. Dave point, you have to be, I'm landing it very closely. Uh, you have to be disciplined to overcome. A discipline is orderly or prescribed conduct or pattern of behaviors to help us to gain control via new patterns or behaviors. The Christian who submits to God's word and way of life renews his or her mind daily with the word of God and is always changing to reflect Christ in his or her life each and every day. We're, 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 we're shifting. Our habits are changing before we would procrastinate. Now we're attacking that procrastination pattern. Before, we would get negative right away. We would see something, we'd freak out right away. Now we're stopping that because we know that doesn't benefit our future. It only benefits me this moment because I feel satisfied by throwing a tantrum, and I'm used to that. See, so we have to shift our actions to become proactive versus reactive. So an overcomer learns to be proactive. A champion, every morning gets up, three, four, five in the morning. If they're swimmers, they have to go to the uh, pool and do laps every day, every day. Do I feel like it? No. I have to do 200 laps. 
They get into a habit, you know, a series of systems, of orderly systems that help them to become that which they see in their spirit man. What are you supposed to be coming? What are you supposed to be becoming? Uh, maybe I'm saying that wrong, but what is your process? Are you allowing new disciplines in your life? Are you studying the area of your calling? In your job, have you already been promoted within? What do I mean by that? Are you becoming your boss? You should first become your boss, in other words, in terms of attitudes, habits, uh, behaviors, disciplines, before they ever come to you and offer you the position. You know why? People are always looking. And sometimes the people that are seeing you, you don't even realize that they're seeing you. And yet one day, prison to the palace. So get ready now because something is on its way. Praise God. And lastly, Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. And with this I will close. Appreciate you didn't get excited. Amen. Glory to God. He's closing. I'm glad. I'm I'm so thrilled that you you behaved. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you need endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul will not have pleasure in him. So notice, those that draw back do not please God. It's only those guys that push through. Then it says this, but we are not those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. So the last point is, finally, look to the ultimate overcomer, the Lord Jesus Christ. While he was on the cross, while they spat at him, while they ripped his beard, while they put that crown of thorns on his head, while they whipped him 39 times, while they made him drag that piece of wood, that heavy piece of wood, that entire uh, Via Dolorosa, when they nailed him to the cross, hands and feet, all he said was, forgive him, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. Forgive him. They don't understand. And he saw you and me on that cross. He saw you and me. He says, now they will be able to have permission to be restored to the Father. They will be overcomers because I will now authorize them by this act of mercy, of love. I will authorize them to overcome. Now we are overcomers because he already overcame. So don't ever allow the enemy to lie to you or to try to put you in a position where you think that you're defeated because the Lord Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he did it for you and for me. He didn't have to do that for himself. He became man to represent us. And he took back the authority. And so now when you speak, you speak as an ambassador of the kingdom. You, you have a delegated authority. In your prayer life, you have a delegated authority. In your thought life, align with him. Because you have the right to. You have permission to. You have an authority. You have the inner one. Who's the inner one? The greater one. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen.